All right. You have your Bibles? Let's hold them up together. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. It's so important that we spend time in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? But it's also important that you understand that somebody has been sent here to help us. Somebody has been sent here to make your life better, to help your walk with Christ be real, be genuine, to be alive. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to pick up at verse 17 and read through chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. You see, we needed help. And so God in his infinite wisdom and abundant love sent Jesus to be that help for us. The thing that's important about the book of Hebrews, and if you've never really studied or read the book of Hebrews, may I encourage you to do so. I probably should go back. It's been a number of years, but I, I need to preach through Hebrews again. And uh, because I, I'm telling you, there's so much there. But in the book of Hebrews, you can learn all of the Old Covenant principles and themes and powerful lessons that you can pick up from the Old Covenant and find out how better it is to be in Christ. Because Christ is better than anything that was found and is found in the Old Covenant. That's what it says. And so you need to believe that. You need to understand that. And you need to realize that he has come to be our high priest. Now, the word priest dredges up uh, different images, some good, some bad. The poor Catholic Church over the years, last few years, has had some bad press about the priesthood. But sometimes there's good stories about priests. The Old Testament priesthood in the Bible is a subject that most Christians have very little interest in. Uh, we don't often read the book of Leviticus. And we, and we find that many of the Levitical rituals, they're distasteful and somewhat confusing. But one of the great themes in Hebrews is this high priestly ministry of Jesus and in chapter 3, verse 1, as we just read, we're commanded to think about the subject of Jesus as our high priest. Now, what our great high priest is to us is really important for us to look at and let us consider it this morning. First of all, our text tells us 
that he is merciful. Verse 17 says that he might be a merciful high priest in things pertaining to God. In things pertaining to God. When you think of a priest, preachers jump into that role. If you grew up in uh, the Catholic Church, the priest is a critically important figure for you in your life. He became the intercessor between God and you and your sins. That priest played a huge role. The thing that's important to understand is that that is still part of the old covenant structure of which Jesus now, according to Hebrews, has become our high priest. He intercedes for us. He becomes the one that we take our sins to and our confessions to. And according to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, I can confess my sin to him and he is, finish it with me, faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Woo, glad he's there, aren't you? Grateful that he's in that position. But he's merciful. The Greek word here is elios, and it conveys the idea of looking at someone, seeing their need, and then having compassion and sympathy for them. You ever watched a basketball game and you felt sympathy for the team that's getting slaughtered? The other night, I was watching our Jinx girls play Bixby, having great compassion for those little guys down the, down the road. Came in here into this mighty Jinx Trojan Frank Harrell gym. And our girls just whipped up on about 30, 40 points. After a while, you get feeling sorry for them. I felt sorry for Enid when they drove over here to play football at Skelly State. I did. I mean, when the opening kickoff, you run it back for a touchdown, hello. And they come up with some flimsy block that somehow happened in somebody's back, so they called it back. But you got to feel sorry. Felt sorry for the Chicago Bears. Never had a chance. Felt sorry for OSU. They can't play basketball. See if we can stir up a little controversy here. Come on now. Some of you starting to finally wake up. What's he saying, Mabel? Well, goodness. Whoa, he's preaching now, isn't he? Okay. Three times in the New Testament, this word mercy occurs in Luke 1, 58. It talks about God's great mercy in Luke 1, 78. It speaks of his tender mercy. And in 1 Peter 1, 3, it describes his abundant mercy. There's a new term that I've heard on the streets. Uh, I don't know what we called it growing up, but the new, the new term is dumpster diving. Any of you hear that? And the idea of being a dumpster diver is that you pull out things that others have thrown away and you restore them to use. Now, my roommate was a dumpster diver before it was popular. But most of the stuff was that he threw away. He would dive back in and get later when he realized how stupid it was to throw it away. Let me give you a for instance. When he was in the military serving the Marines in Okinawa, he ended up buying somehow the whole collection of the Beatles' music. He got mad and broke up with a girl, or she broke up with him, I guess. And so angry, he took the whole collection and threw it in the trash. I watched him. 
I said, you don't want that? No, I don't want it. So I dove in there and got it. I said, we could sell it and give it to missions. Anyway, he got it back because that's what friends do, right? Plus, he could kill me. So I, yeah, we gave it back. But perhaps you in your life have been thrown away or have felt thrown away into the dumpster of life, so to speak. You may feel worthless. You may feel tossed aside. You may feel dirty. You may feel broken. But you and I have a merciful high priest who recovers, who reclaims, and who restores. Amen. So he's merciful. The second thing I want you to know about our high priest is that he is faithful. The word faithful means that he is going to keep every single promise and obligation that he's made. Oh, that we could be that way. Ladies, when you married this man that you call your husband, promises were made, were they not? As he kept them all, don't answer that, at least out loud. Some of you may want to answer just because you love to stir up controversy. But you see, we tend to, as people, make promises, especially to children. Let me let me just talk to the young people in in, in the room this morning. Have your parents made promises to you that they did not keep? You can answer out loud. Go ahead. Yeah, you're smart. Don't answer out loud. Well, let me ask you parents. Have your young people made promises that they have not kept? Oh, well, yeah, you're quick to answer that, eh? Well, listen to those parents. Joshua 21.45 says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. So whatever the Lord says, He will do. Well, I love those songs today. Riding on cloud. Yeah, come on, man. How? <laughs> Bring it on. Let's go. And I, what do you say? Any of you ready to go see Zion? I'm ready. Aren't you ready? Now I'd love to. I, you know, I, I hope I can tarry long enough to see grandkids. I do. Those twin girls that Corey's at. I, I can't wait. And please, Lord, let me hang around till they're thirteen. Two chapters later, Joshua said, You know, in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Centuries later, Solomon said, There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. First Kings chapter 8. The hymn writer Frances Havergal said on her deathbed, listen to this, Splendid to be so near the gates of heaven, I am lost in amazement. There has not failed one word of all His good promises. He's merciful and He's faithful. Now let's see from our text what our high priest does for us. A couple of things. It says He is, in verse 17, our propitiation. As I've said before, I love that word. That's one of those good King James words. It's one of those good preacher words where you can spit. It's okay. Propitiation. 
You know, you get your whole jowls. You know, and, and people go, whoa, that's a Bible truth. What do you say? And when the propitiation get the veins, that's a great word. Just from that standpoint, but it's even a better word because of what it means. You see, he's a merciful and faithful high priest to make propitiation for the sins of the people. A propitiation is a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God. I heard a preacher one time describing what propitiation means. He said it's like an umbrella. And so when the Father looks down from heaven and He sees us, He doesn't see the sin anymore. He sees an umbrella of the blood of His Son Jesus covering us. Is that a great picture? He doesn't see sin anymore. He sees the umbrella of the blood of His Son Jesus covering our sin. Woo! Man, that ought to get you excited. You ought to stand up and start singing. But I know you won't. But you see, there is only one substance that can really be the propitiation for the sins that you and I have in our life. And that's that crimson blood of Jesus. He's our propitiation. And then secondly, in verse 18, he has been tempted. He has been tempted. And it shares with us in that verse that he himself has suffered, has been tempted. Do you mean to tell me, preacher, that Jesus has been tempted with sexual things? Ooh. I, I, I don't know. You, you may not can just see Jesus being tempted with sexual things. But according to this verse, he's been tempted in every way that you and I've been tempted. Hmm. Don't you think that when Mary Magdalene, who was, what was she? She was a virgin? <laughs> not quite. She was a prostitute. So she knew how to use her giftedness to accomplish things in her life. Amen? I'm sure there was a certain perfume, a certain way she would dress, brush her hair. Oh, yeah. Some of you are being tempted right now, aren't you? Just thinking about it. I love the commercial where the woman's in the fishnet hose and says, you know what I want. Yeah, you want some fish sandwiches down Arby, don't you? Yeah. Dummy. You got it. You know where I'm going. But gee, you mean Jesus was tempted in that? Don't you know? You mean he was tempted to steal? You mean he was tempted to lie? You mean he was tempted? Hmm? Fill in the blank. He was tempted with drugs? Alcohol? Illicit sex? Jesus? No, not my Jesus. Yeah, he was tempted. Because you see, it's not the temptation that's the issue, is it? Temptation is not the problem. What is it? Giving in to it is the problem. I've used this illustration many times. It's not the buffet line that's the problem. It's my saddling up with my big spoon at the line. That's the problem. That's why I don't go to buffets anymore. My favorite clip from a movie is Eddie Murphy where he's the clumps. And they show up at the buffet. And they say, we're the clumps. 
Family six, and we're hungry. And he'll show them going through the line, filling for plate, and the brother's picking up the pan, scraping it out on his plate and on his tray. Yeah, boy, that's my kind of movie right there. Glory to God. I had to repent every time I see that. But see, it's not the temptation, it's the problem. It's the giving in to it, it's the yielding to the temptation. David looked down from his balcony to another balcony lower than him, and he observed a woman naked bathing on the balcony. Now, he could have said, wow, that's a good-looking girl. Turned around and been, been king of Israel. Amen? Now, what did he do? Hey! He sent her a text message. Back then, it was a couple of big old ugly guys at the door. Hey, boy, I want to talk to you. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And the rest, you know the rest. You see, it's not the temptation. It's not the temptation. When the doctor told Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, that he had only a short time to live, Bill Bright's response was, thank you, Lord. And the doctor said, you don't seem to realize what's happening to you. You're dying, and you are going to die a miserable death. Bill Bright's response was, well, praise the Lord. I'll see the Lord sooner than I had planned. Boy, now that's the way to do it, isn't it? He could have crumbled, he could have crumbled under the pressure of knowing that he was going to die. But you see, his great high priest strengthened him in a terrible moment of testing. And amid the trials and the temptations of life, you and I have a high priest who aids us. He himself has suffered, so he is able to aid those who are tested, tried, and tempted. Jesus, our high priest, is our propitiation. He is our preoccupation. He is merciful and faithful. He atones for sins and aids us in our trials and temptations. He wants to be our great high priest. And He wants to do it today. His service to us in that role is worth considering all the time. I think one of the best things I've ever read about the mercy of our great high priest is a hymn, a poem written by Charles Wesley. And even though this is a very old hymn, it still conveys the mercy of God with such vivid imagery. And while I read this, would you close your eyes and just listen to the words? Depth of mercy can there be, mercy still reserved for me. Can my God his wrath forbear, me the chief of sinners spare? I have long withstood his grace, long provoked him to his face, would not hearken to his calls, grieved him by a thousand falls. There for me the Savior stands, Shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love. I know. I feel. Jesus weeps and loves me still. Now incline me to repent. Let me now my sins lament. Now my foul revolt deplore. Weep, believe, and sin no more. Oh, Father, would we remember how much you love us. Would we never forget how much you care for us. And Father, would we be faithful, 
obedient children to your call. Father, will we never forget that you are our high priest through your son Jesus Christ. You have sent him to be our intercessor. You have sent him to be mercy and faithful and to be a propitiation for the sins that we commit. Father, may we claim that today. May we leave here today knowing that we're covered by that precious blood of Jesus. And if someone finds themselves here today, Father, not covered, may they have the courage to take care of that today. In Jesus' name, amen.